Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Directed IRA Podcast. My name is Mark Kohler with the amazing co-host, Matt Sorensen. We're here to talk about self-directing and everything related thereto. So this is not directing yeah. your own community show or Broadway show or <laughs> you know Sundance Film Festival. This this is directing your yeah. retirement film. Yeah. yeah. Where you are the producer, the director, and the star of the show. That, okay, that's this true. Is, this is your account. All right. You are all three. Uh, producer, actor, director. Okay. Um, well, for those that are new to the show, thanks for being here. We are going to field the open form questions, which is a reminder, you can submit at directedira.com slash podcast. Directed IRA is our company where we handle self-directed accounts, of course. Um, for people that want to invest in alternative assets, buy real estate, buy crypto, you know, you want to buy a mutual fund or stock, we can do that too. But um, but we really focus on the client that wants to do self-directed investments um, yeah. like real estate, private companies, notes, precious metals, crypto. And those are the questions we're going to be feeding uh, or um, fielding, I should say, feeding, <laughs> uh, fielding today during the podcast. Yeah, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about farm animals, uh, real estate. Uh, I've got a joke where a nun walks into a bar with a poodle under her arm. Uh, no, I don't, but okay, sounds like a great beginning of a joke. <laughs> can't remember what It's true. I mean, if, if you look at the questions, we got questions on cryptocurrency and stable coins. Some cool thing to learn about. Um, we've got on horse racing, racehorse questions on an IRA owning. So owning a pair. Uh, cow, calf, or whatever that is. Mark can explain that. Series LLCs, a lot of cool stuff about self-directing. Kind of the, uh, there's some bread and butter stuff, if you will. And there's also some uh, more uh, exquisite questions yes. here that are a little more, more. Little, little more exotic, perhaps. Yeah. That Food Network show where he goes and eats things that make you gag in your mouth, but you keep watching the show and don't know why. Uh that's what we've got today. It's going to be good. So I also want to point out for those, we've got this on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Um, and today I'm wearing a tie and Matt is wearing a, a kind of a, a sweater, crew neck sweater. He looks good, you know, kind of yeah, I thought, off like the accountant. Looking good. Okay. Yeah. I was like, Mark put on a tie today. Wow. He's going to, it's special. This is yeah. a special episode, folks. If you it didn't is. know it already, if you weren't feeling it already in this intro, <laughs> yeah. this is pretty special. He's got his glasses on. Yeah. Wow. Well, that tie, too, the power tie look. Whew. Uh, you know, and it's kind of the cat. I got the collar undone, so it's kind of like casual, yet it's like you're yeah, at work. Yeah, like, sleeves are rolled up. Like, you know, it looks like, honestly, what it looks like it looks like you're on the campaign trail. That's the look you got. Like kind of the, I'm, I'm dressed up, but I'm kind of of the people. I got my sleeves rolled up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not on the campaign trail of anything, so we can <laughs> yeah. skip that. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's get into it. And a lot right. of people find this a fun show because you hear questions from other folks around the country and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. And so it really is kind of fun. I want to point out to that I've had calls with clients this week on self-directing and they're just blown away that this option exists in their life and that Wall Street has really hidden it from them so many years and they're an information overload. Um, so I want to give all of you a little uh, a rah, rah, rah session here, a little comfort 
a little intervention to not get overwhelmed. It takes time to learn some of these strategies and you don't have to know them all. And keep in mind, we have a summit that we hold twice a year, one in the spring, one in the fall. It's a two-day summit. This spring in April, it will be virtual as we hope we get to the tail end of this COVID period of our lives. And the fall session will be live in person in Phoenix, where it'll be nice and beautiful and warm for many of you in October that want to just get one last dose of sun. So keep that in mind. Those summits are really, really affordable, three or 400 bucks, maybe 500, I don't know, somewhere in that price range. But you can also, Matt, is it still, are you, is the last year's recording still available? Can people even watch that? That is still available. You can go to my site, SDIRA Handbook, SDIRA Handbook to get last year's recording, um, which which Mark and I did together. And we did it in, this, in the studio there where Mark's at right now. Um, so uh, well done. And we'll do that again this year too. So we'll have a, the recording will be done after the um, virtual summit, which is only one ninety nine. So um, go grab Gosh. it. It'll be a great, great one. I know. That's, even better special. That's, That's true. No. Well, yeah. So, but that's what you can get today. Go get on it. Both days, one ninety nine. That's eh, a day and a half. Oh, and that's half. true. Okay. Well, still, we got to talk to someone. I know. Marketing. I know. That's... And it gets even better. <laughs> We're throwing in three steak knives. <laughs> <laughs> and let me show you how they can cut through a can right now. Yeah, uh, it's going to be good. Okay, let's get to our first question. Do do I get to choose? Right. Yesterday in the open forum for Main Street Business, you got to choose the first question. So okay, I feel like right. I, it's my turn. It's your turn. Okay, it's your turn. I, we're going to hit a base hit here. We want to do kind of easy ones to begin with. Boy, okay. I don't know if there's any. Okay, let's I got Alex. One. Alex in Miami. That's kind of an easy one, I think. Okay, Alex may Alex may be sad that he's like. It's that easy, <laughs> but Alex, there's some other hard ones here today. Okay. So Alex in Miami says, so I have a solo 401k with you guys. And at the law firm, you can set up a 401k for as low as 500 bucks. And you're the trustee of your own 401k and you're self-directing a Roth 401k or traditional. So Alex has gone that route. And he says, I'm thinking of buying a rental on a lake to Airbnb. If after retirement age, I decide to use this rental personally, maybe even make it my primary residence, would that be an issue? Well, issue is a strong word. I would say, is it possible? Yes. Is it difficult? No. Um, There's just some steps you need to follow. And we've taught this as a strategy that's pretty darn cool. I'm going to give you the basic, and then I'm going to put it on steroids. Okay, Matt, you'll have to approve. If this is legit. Okay. Okay. All right. So everybody out there, you can be funding a 401k, getting a tax write-off. The 401k goes and buys this Airbnb. It can get a non-recourse loan. Typically, you're going to have to put down about 40%, but we've got lenders lined up all day long that'll give you a 60% loan to value, and you put 40% down in your 401k, no personal guarantee, boom, a bang. You're into this Airbnb. You rent the heck out of it. You put furniture in there. You cash flow the sucker. Cash goes back into your 401k. All good to go. Wonderful. Well, Alex at that point turns, let's say, 60 years old. And he says, all right, I'm going to quit Airbnb in it. I want to move in. Well, it's fairly straightforward. You would go get an appraisal for the value of the home at that time, with or without the mortgage. Maybe the mortgage is paid off by now. But whatever the 
value is minus a mortgage, what's that equity? So that's really what your 401k's asset that it bought, whether it's Microsoft stock or this little Airbnb, what is it worth? And you take a distribution. You distribute the cabin to you, just as if you took stock and sold it and took cash out of your 401k. You would pay tax because at that point you're over 59 and a half, no penalty, and you get to move into the house. You just take a distribution of the house. But it gets better. Now, what I'd like you to do is inside your 401k, Alex, whatever the house is worth now, you start chunking and turning it into a Roth 401k asset. So let's say the cabin's worth 300 grand. And over the next 10 years, you chunk 30 grand a year. Now it is true, as you convert it to Roth, you'll have to reevaluate the value of the property. But there'll be some squishy room there to make sure the valuation is fair, but probably on the lower end. And you're going to convert it to Roth and pay taxes in pieces and parts, keeping your bracket a little lower, rather than taking this huge tax bill of 300 grand when you turn age 60. So now when you convert it to Roth little by little at age 60, your Roth owns the cabin. And you just freaking write yourself and sign the deed. I'm going to transfer this Roth property to myself. No tax, yeah. no penalty. Now you've got your home completely paid for, tax-free, did it in your 401k the entire time, and chunked it at lower appraised value pieces where now it could even be worth more. Doesn't matter. It's yeah. it's already Roth. What do you think, Matt? Did I, did I nail it? Yeah. I mean, I, I like that strategy. There's some work into doing that many conversions. Just, you know, you're going to have some fees and some appraisals to do that. And then you got a partnership because you're traditional on some of it and you're Roth on some of it. So there's some detail there. Um, also, when you do that last Roth conversion, you got to wait five years. There's a five-year rule on Roth conversions until you can take a distribution. Now, you probably want that because after you do all those conversions, Right, you want to own it as Roth and let the value go up a little bit before you distribute it and take it out for use. So, I mean, that's the the whole purpose of that strategy, right? Is convert it now at lower values, let the price go up, and then distribute it out when it's Roth later, where there's no tax. But you do got that five year rule you got to meet though after you do your last conversion. Yeah, and probably. The sooner you do the conversions, the better anyway, like Matt said. So the value, the future value is yeah. outside of your personal wealth. Um, I like it. Now, okay, yeah. I've got a, I was going to go down another rabbit hole, but we'll leave it alone. Fun stuff. Thanks, Alex. Okay, Matt, your call. Okay. All right. Let me go to Bert's question. Bert asked, can stablecoin crypto held in DFI accounts, essentially decentralized financial accounts, and he references a couple names here that yield great rates be held in self-directed IRAs. BlockFi now supports ACH to banks, so no need for exchanges. Okay, yes, it is possible to own stable coins. This is essentially crypto that's tied to some other asset. Um, and so rather than it just being like, let's say, Bitcoin, which would not be a stable coin, but let's say like Bitcoin is just, there's just a, that value is just what other people are willing to pay for it. There's other stable coins that are more linked to an asset, but are built on a crypto blockchain type network. So yes, you can own those in a, in a um, self-directed IRA. You do it through the IRA LLC and link the LLC's bank account. 
Now, we are at Directed IRA, we are going to have trading capability probably in a week or so directly out of your IRA account. We're going to be linking with um, Gemini, who's a major provider of crypto trading accounts that will link directly to your IRA account without the need of an LLC. Now, you won't be able to do stable coins, but you'll probably be able to do the most 20 common crypto like you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, all that type of stuff. Um, those are the things to be able to trade. So just a heads up for people on the crypto side of things that want to buy kind of some of the more popular crypto. But the stable coins you'll do, for now at least, um, you link with your LLC bank account, which is our standard process. We got lots of content on that. I think two or three podcasts ago, Mark and I went over that option on how to um, own crypto with your IRA using an LLC. Okay. I love it. I'm going to keep it a little simple still until we get into more complex stuff. I'm just going through the questions here, typing up a few responses. we got a bunch of questions that came in via Instagram too. We'll jump over there in a minute. Um, Osan, Osahan uh, asked the question, which self-directed IRA is best for real estate investments and why? A traditional or a Roth? Now, First, I like the way Osana said this uh, in some way. Uh, uh, let me clarify. A lot of people do call up and go, I want a self-directed IRA. Uh, what is that? Well, a self-directed IRA is just like any other IRA. It's just you're at a custodian or a what the world knows as is a broker-dealer. You're at a trust company that allows you to invest in a lot more than their little stockbroker allows you. A lot of stockbrokers are actually restricted from even bringing up the option of self-directing or they get fired because you're bas- they're basically sending their customer to somewhere else. So an IRA is an IRA. A Roth is a Roth. It's just, can I self-direct it? means I got to move it from the place they're holding it to a new place. So it's just a rollover. There's no tax. There's no penalty. It's very easy to have a self-directed Roth or a self-directed IRA, traditional. It's just where you ho- where you plant it, if you will. So then Osana, Osana, Osahan says, should I do this real estate in a tr- traditional or Roth? I think that if you surveyed 100 accountants and or financial advisors, you're going to see the majority say any investment is going to be generally better in a Roth. The tax-free growth and the tax-free withdrawals and the flexibility for not having to do 72T distributions and just the flexibility overall of a Roth and the power of a Roth is going to generally win every time. On the flip side, you have to remember you got to get money into the IRA to begin with. So I would say the real question is sometimes, Osana, is people say, which account should I fund this year? See, that's a different question. You may say, I'm going to say, well, what's your tax liability? What bracket are you in? How much income did you have? Because funding an IRA or a 401k could be a good move. You could be in a larger bracket and we want the write-off. We need the write-off. Then we'll convert to Roth later. Other people were like, oh my gosh, just freaking do a backdoor Roth. Don't worry about it or do this. So you've got really two questions to ask yourself. What should I contribute to this year? Because we want everybody contributing every year, even if it's a small amount. And then the next question is, what do I put in those vehicles? And again, I think in the long run, you'd want to be in the Roth, no matter what type of investment, every day and on Sunday. Matt, agree, disagree? 
I love the Roth IRA myself um, because in the long run, if you get to perform well, you're going to have a large Roth account and you're going to love it. I always like to explain, though, it's like the Roth account is the one that sucks now. It's painful. I'm not getting a tax deduction or I had to convert to get to it. But in 10 years, you're like, oh, oh I'm so glad I did Roth. Yeah. And I have clients that call me. They're like, man, I'm, I got 400 grand in traditional. I just talked to a client um, about a week ago that's like really wanted to go Roth. And but he's already in a high tax bracket. He's like, I just, I feel like I need to bite the bullet now. I don't want to. And I'm like, you know, there's just no way around it. It's going to suck now. You're going to pay a t- lot of tax. He didn't even want to chunk it. He's like, I just need to go for it. I got some really good investments. I think you're going to perform well. I just want to go for it. Okay, cool. Let's just do it. Bite the bullet. Our tax rate's going to go up later in time anyways, probably. <laughs> uh, so he just bit the bullet and went for it. But I told him, I said, Think think of where you're going to be in ten years with this account. Like, what do you like? Where do you think this account value is going to be? And how happy are you going to be when you're like, this is Roth. Now it's worth a million. I went from four hundred thousand to a million. Very realistic to do in ten years. Very realistic. Yeah. Um, how? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna be loving it. You're gonna be like, gosh, that was such a good idea ten years ago. You know, and the sad part is, we help you guys, but no one sends us a Christmas card and says, you know what, Matt. Thank you 10 years ago. You know, my life is better now. You know, we'd appreciate if you'd call once in a while and just say, thank yeah. you. you know, we we okay. love you guys. You send, we send you out into the world and we never hear from you again. You just, you just make millions. Yeah. And, um, now, I would throw this out too. Um, when you're going through this process, don't forget, and Matt and I debate this all the time, so I'm going to throw it out there, the health savings account or the Coverdale. Don't hyper-focus on one account either. It's not the traditional bad. You, we just compare traditional to Roth. Don't forget, there's other players on the field. You've got a goalie, you've got a forward, you've got, you've got all these other players. And so the Coverdale is your college savings account for kids that can be self-directed. And if your kids are young, whoo, you know, that could be a very powerful tool. You could set up Coverdales for grandkids and invest them right alongside your Roth. And those come out tax-free and grow tax-free. Kind of, um, and the health savings account, I met with a client uh, a week and a half ago, had about 80 grand. No, 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 no. I told you, Matt, it was on our show last week. I think it said 160 grand in a health savings account. I yeah. told him, you just paid for your long-term care for life and it's tax-free anytime. Anytime. You don't even have to wait until you're 59 and a half for medical. So there's some other vehicles out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. All right. Well, I got, I got a problem. What's that? What's bite the, I don't get bite the bullet. Did that come from like, they're going to, it's like in tombstone when the brother's up on the pool table and they're pulling out, they're like, bite the bullet. Just deal with it. I don't know. Uh, I think it rip off the bandaid. I'm more of a rip off off the the bandaid. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I gotta bite the. Yeah, I, I, you know these analogies. I'm the last guy you want to check those with. Where did they come from? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let's say I feel like I'm on kind of spelling bee competition here. What's the origin of that? Um, uh, anyways, of that phrase. All right, Eric's got it. Eric had a good question. I don't know if it's my turn or yours, but I'm going for it. I love it. It's your it's turn. turn. It's your it turn. It was my turn. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. I was going to feel like a jerk there for a second, but okay. Eric said, I personally invested in racehorses. It works similar to Mark's example with the cow calf pairs. 
initial investment for percent ownership of the horse, monthly expenses, etc. But re- returns are tied to winnings. Can an IRLC invest in this scenario, or would it be considered gambling? Okay, this is a great questionnaire. Oof. Yes, your IRA, and we've had clients invest in LLCs that own racehorses. This is a really important distinction here between gambling. And I'm going to give a, a gambling example of a client who was using their IRA to basically do sports gambling, which I got a problem with. This one I don't. And here's why. Okay. So this is okay. See, I thought you said no, but you mean you, it you is can okay. do this. Yeah. This is okay. This, okay. He described by, by, and using your IRA to invest in an LLC that owns a racehorse. Totally cool. Because when that LLC makes money, you're making money from prize winnings. Mm. Okay. The LLC owns the horse that gets the prize winnings. Okay. It's kind of like the professional sports team that makes money when they win the Super that Bowl. team wins the Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Now in race horsing, you know, you're there's you're not, I don't know that the, the horses get to a share of the ticket sales or something. Maybe they do, I don't know. But but here you're not gambling on the outcome of the race. You are in a sense in that. You know, if your horse wins, you, you get the, that that horse gets the prize, and your LLC that owns this horse and paid for all the expenses and the trainers and whatever, you get a share of that that prize winnings. And so, so it'd be okay in that example. And I we've had clients do that. Now, the one thing you'll need to note here is this: there would be UBIT, so you would want to use a blocker corp, or maybe it's a C corporation that owns the horse, anyways. But you you would want to use a blocker, possibly. Have we, um, we, we've done a whole show on you, bit and blockers, right? Or, we have, we have not, we did kind of rules to know when we talked about UBIT, the rules to know when you self-direct, but we should do a more deep dive on UBIT. So we'll hit that in an upcoming episode. I got yeah, a I think whole chapter in my book. We got a lot of articles on directed IRA on it, but we should do a special podcast episode yeah. on it. And I think, can I just say on that note, everybody, when Matt says you, yeah. if you're new to this. It basically means when you invest in a business that is not passive. So if you buy an Airbnb with your rental, that's passive. Even though it's a short-term rental, it's still the IRS calls it passive, which we're lucky there. But unless you you start providing services and you make that Airbnb look more like a bed and breakfast or a hotel, that's business and you'd have you. But if you keep it rental, not given services, yeah. Yeah. So like a restaurant and then a horse operation, a racehorse operation is ordinary income. So wait, you can go back and watch the po- listen to the podcast on rules to know, but we'll do a separate show on that. And Matt's book, all of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you need Matt's book, Matt's book, get over to sdirahandbook.com. Just pick up a copy because you can refer to it on all these shows. Now, Eric, I think you're missing the big, the big deal here. May I comment? Mm, I've I've yeah. got clients that have done the racehorse thing too. Eric, you need to make sure you look at this LLC agreement because the money is not in the prize money. The money is when they go out to stud after. It mm-hmm. is big. Oh, it's significant. I shouldn't. I want to use the right terminology here. <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't want Matt to say um, that's what she said. I'm not gonna. I'm not touching. You're not commenting. Okay. Okay. Good. No, Okay, but when you're talking about a horse impregnating other horses, this is a fact of life, people. It's called the birds and the bees. And you know, do you remember the show? I don't know if you remember the show in the 90s called Studs. Did you remember that? No, no. It's like this dating show, and these dudes would get on that were considered studs. You know, this Mm. is a more uh, 
common phrase in the nineties yeah. to refer to a, you know, Stud. a guy who's apparently got it going on or whatever. Or but it would be like, yeah. yeah. And they'd go date like all these women. It was kind of like, what a, it can be like the bachelor, but in a way, but it was called studs. It was hilarious. Anyways. Oh okay. Okay. Back, you so talk to the racehorse studs and how you can make money on it. That's yeah. So racehorses really, as long as they place, they may not have big winnings um, like the Kentucky Derby or this or that, but uh, these racehorses with a good um, bloodline and even just placing in some races, they become extremely valuable uh, for stud fees. And they can be anywhere. I've seen stud fees from ten grand to five hundred grand, just just for one vial of you know what. And so these, it's a really, it's a really big deal. So make sure if you're going to invest in a racehorse that you're you're a part of the the game for the long haul with the horse because a lot of times there's trainers that are in it for the stud fees on the back end, not the prize money. So just keep that in mind, Eric. Love what you're doing. All right. All Next right. question's yours unless you're, okay. you're going to pass. Let's stick with – I don't know if we're going to have a question on this, but let's let's deal with what, a comment on the um, uh, cows because we had some people oh, yeah. that sent in some messages. So on a prior show, I talked about – pairs. Now in the ranching world, and um, if you're a Yellowstone fan with Kevin Costner, who is a total stud in that show, um, you may be (laughs) feeling like you want to, uh, you know, be a rancher. And so I I have some uh, friends that run ranches down in Southern Utah, and every spring they'll buy pairs. From other ranchers, they kind of horse trade. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that horse trade? Okay. There you go. All right. They'll trade around. <laughs> this is legit. It really happens, people. So they'll horse oh, trade. And a pair is um, a mother cow and a calf. And they might range from 1000 bucks to 1500 bucks, is what I understand. Now, some of you ranchers out there are saying I'm an idiot. So just be patient with me. I'm, I'm just an accountant here. But anyway, these ranchers guys were like, yeah, do you want to buy some, do you want to buy some cows this year? I'm like, I was thinking I like steak, especially filet mignon. Sure, I'm in. But then I thought, hold it. What happens to my pair? And they go, well, the calf grows up and has a baby too. And the mom has another baby. So at the end of next year, you now have four cows. Apparently cows reproduce. I didn't know if you knew that, Matt. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So thank you for all this reproductive information you're giving yeah, today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We were, we're, we went from horses now to cows reproducing. Um, okay. So anyway, you your book of your herd doubles in value. And you can see, and now you've got feed and then immunizations and all these other things. And once in a while, apparently a cow can die there. That, but if you're careful, um, you can see easily a 30% return on this pair. So- 30% return, a little better than my ETF or you know mutual fund. And I said, I want to buy three pair. And these guys are like, dude, you're in. So I'm creating an LLC now, and I might fund these three pair with four or five grand, let's say. And I'm going to see how it goes, you know. And I, they're in the herd. They get, um, they don't brand them with like an iron anymore. They tag them. So if you go to a, kind of a newer ranch operation, you'll see these plastic tags on their ears, but 
Anyway, so my cows will be branded with a tag and I, and I can go look at my cows and pet them if I want. And maybe when they're asleep, <laughs> tip them over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't believe you've never been cow tipping. <laughs> maniac, maniac. Okay. What, what show? Come on. Uh, Tommy boy, baby. That's Tommy boy, baby. That's of all time. I can't, sure. I can't do the whole quote. Got a 32 on four. Boom. You know, cow tip. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Lowe. Okay. Anyway. Um, so, so people have been emailing going, hook me up. I want, I want to buy some cows. So here's the disclaimer. We do not have a resource for buying cows, like possibly Bitcoin. Um, so <laughs> if you want to buy Bitcoin, we can hook you up or gold or silver. We have some referral sources for that. But we do not have um, a hot red phone to Kevin Costner and Yellowstone for cows. So what you need to do if you're in this, if you're interested in this, is get in your truck. I recommend a truck rather than a sports car and start driving around the farms and start. I'd wear cowboy boots too, because you got to fit in and you, you drive around and go, Hey, can I buy a, can I buy a pair? You know, <laughs> you just start. Net, they call it networking in the That's business networking, world. Yeah. I, I just go to the local cafe in the early morning mm. when the, the cowboys are there, you know, and they're, that's yeah. where they cut their deals, you know? That's so, true. Yeah. That's, okay. Oh, that and when you go easier. Have a copy of Farmer's Almanac, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sit down and just be like, what's, what's uh, what are the futures on soybeans this year going to look like? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't even know if that's a thing, but okay. I don't either. Um, all right. Well, let me hit the next question. Ready? Okay. I'm going to get off the reproductive route okay. here. All right. Um, this is a question from Ed. A good structuring question. He said, can a okay. group of people each using qualified money, meaning retirement accounts, create a multi-member IRLC. Yeah, we do it all the time. It's chapter yep. 15 in my book. So far, so plenty, good. Plenty of videos on that. We've got podcast episodes on it. Totally cool. Um, we break up the ownership in the LLC between those different people based on how much money comes from each account. Then he says, and can we do it in a series LLC? Yeah. If it's a state that allows for series LLCs, let's say you're doing real estate, which he brings up here, you can have a multi-member IRLC that's also a series LLC. So that you can have each property, if you're doing multiple properties, own in its separate series. And it's got the liability protection of what's called a series LLC. He said, P.S. I bought and read Matt's book. It is excellent. I agree, Ed. Great comment there. Um, he says, highly recommend anyone interested in the subject matter. So, yes, uh, the, the good news is, Ed, you can do a multi-member IRA LLC with different retirement accounts. And you could make it a series as well. Just keep in mind, there's about 20 states now that allow for series LLCs. There's always a couple every year that get added to the list. Different states wake up and decide this is a good structure and they adopt it in their state. So uh, but just we, we and we can confirm that. It's in Mark's book, I believe, the, the list of states that do series LLCs. Um, but again, there's a couple that get added every year too. Okay. All right. All You're right. up. Do you got a question about... Okay. Nothing this one reproductive. Is a, yes. This one is about raising rabbits. So <laughs> I think we're, <laughs> I think we're, I think we're in for a big return here. Okay. Yeah. Right. The problem is they don't sell for a lot, but you could, you know, apparently produce a lot. So, yeah. Uh, but you know what the funny, the seriously, the funny takeaway here is many of you didn't know your IRA can buy animals, you know, that are now right. they can't yeah. be your, personal pet or your personal 
guide dog or comfort animal. Yeah, they're not on your farm and, you know, whatever that you own. Yeah. But like Mark, you know, I just go to the farm or ranch or whatever that has that. And and I, I know there's a difference between a farmer and a rancher. I probably, I don't know. Yes, there is. So that, that's for, forgive, forgive me for I, I'm just going to. Okay. All right. Well, here's a question from Dave. Not sure where Dave's from. He says, in a checkbook IRA, is the LLC that is created only good for use within the IRA? It can't be used to buy real estate outside the IRA. Dave, this is a great question because I think we can define some terms out there. Um, In the self-directed industry, several promoters, frankly, for lack of a better word and probably the true term to use, have tried to make their company on the web sound the coolest and the sexiest, and you just want to use us, give us money, and we'll set up a checkbook IRA. And they that we never used the term checkbook IRA in our marketing. We, we don't like that term because that term really doesn't mean anything. But what it does mean practically, a checkbook IRA means you have an LLC. So I would encourage all of you, if you're going to be a listener of our show, just flush the term checkbook IRA. Just that's it's not a good term to use. What what we like to say is you can have an IRA at directed IRA. You can have a Roth at directed IRA. You can have an HSA at directed IRA. And if you want to do some loans or some investments directly out of your retirement account, fill out a form. You're in business. Buy stock, buy crypto, buy gold, all sorts of goodies. We've got almost every structure you can imagine you can do directly out of your IRA, but you got to call us. You got to fill out a form and that's okay. A lot of people, that's good. Now, in a sense, you can say it's almost like a checkbook IRA because you can call us up and we'll do what you say. So, but it, but you're using the custodian's checkbook in a sense to take care of your transaction. Now, where the checkbook IRA term came from is you're like, well, I'm doing so many deals. I hate calling your office, even though everybody's so nice and they turn it quickly. I just want to do it myself. Can I get a checkbook? No, you do not get a checkbook for your IRA. But if you want to form an LLC, the LLC can be funded with a portion or all of your IRA, or you can have a multi-member LLC with multiple retirement accounts from friends and family, and you can be the signer on that bank account. You can be the manager of the LLC, and there's, there's rules of... You, of course, you can't be compensated and have personal benefits from the assets of the LLC. But and we go through that on our podcast from time to time. But you're going to get this LLC and you control the checkbook. And so that's we like the term checkbook LLC or checkbook IRA LLC because you have to have the LLC in order to have the checkbook. And so I I don't know if I understand the rest of your question to say it can't be used to buy real estate outside of the IRA. I don't know if, Dave, I'm just going to say that LLC can do anything. It could buy cows. It could buy real estate. It could buy an Airbnb. So the LLC is a just a model that allows you to make investments a little more quickly without calling the office and filling out a form. So all the investments you could do in the IRA by calling directed IRA are the same investments you could do out of the LLC. It's just you could write the check yourself. Anyway, I don't know. Matt, would you add anything to that? Does that help? clarify that for Dave or yeah and we have the the IRA LLC podcast episode it's probably five episodes back go go listen to that and we outline that 
that structure better. But I always like the IRA LLC word because I tell people it's two things. It's an IRA and it's an LLC. Because some people are like, well, I set up the checkbook LLC. Do I need my IRA anymore? Yes, your IRA owns this LLC. <laughs> okay. The LLC doesn't replace the IRA. It's a yeah. it's two things, okay? It's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. You you need two things to really, you know, make it work. So okay. Um all right, okay. I had I had uh, an emailed question if you wanted. I can hit here. Yeah. I don't know if you had any, any final questions on your end from social or any other places you wanted to field. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So um, I, I had a question basically on Roth IRAs and taking distributions for Roth IRAs. So the question was, is, um, is when can I begin taking distributions from a Roth IRA? And, um, and then it, there's a two, second part to this, um, which has to do with um, uh, inheriting the Roth IRA. And this is a long description. I'm just trying to paraphrase the actual questions out of this. So, um, so let's go over, you have a Roth IRA. Okay. You've built it up. Um, and remember with any retirement account, this is not for, to use today, unless you're already 59 and a half, you can be using it now, but for all the rest of us that aren't at that magical age yet, 59 and a half, we can't touch that Did account. Did you just yet. call that magical? Okay. Magical <laughs> for the IRS. You know, the IRS thinks yep. it's magic. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. And the magic being you don't get a 10% penalty yeah. to touch it early. Yeah. But I want to make a couple important points on the Roth IRA that are important and how you can access it. Remember, in a Roth IRA, you can always get your contribution part out without any tax or penalty, no matter what age you are. So if you've had a Roth IRA for 10 years now and you've been throwing in six grand a year, five grand, whatever the contributions were back then. You can always pull that money out first as a distribution that is not taxable, okay? That's one of the cool perks on a Roth IRA. But as that account grows, the earnings you can't touch yet. The earning piece of it, the growth of it, let's say you bought real estate, the rental income, you sold the property, the gains, you bought some crypto or private stock and you sold that for a gain. All those gains that are built up, you can't touch until you're 59 and a half, Okay. Now, once you hit 59 and a half, you can start pulling the gains part out, no tax. You can start living off of that. Obviously, you don't want to pull out more than you need because you want to keep that money available to reinvest in this tax-free account that's really the best way to invest out there anyway. This is the only, the Roth IRA is the only way, and the Roth 401k included, which you can do with the solo K, is the only way you can make money and not pay tax to the government or to your state. This is the only legit way to do it, all right? Maybe moving to Puerto Rico, there's some options there. Hmm. So, so that's cool on the Roth. So keep in mind, you can always take contributions out early if you needed to do that. The second part to this question um, is about um, what happens when I die. Now, last week's show, we covered a lot of that uh, podcast episode on what happens to my retirement accounts when I die. Now, the rules have changed on this so that when you're, if your spouse inherits it, by, by the way, you're, you die, your spouse just gets your Roth IRA or whatever account you have. And it becomes an account in their name. And they can, if they're 59 and a half, they can start taking distributions. Let's say they're 45. Um, uh, when you pass away, well, it can roll into their name, but they they can, and they can keep investing it, but they can't pull it out to 59 and a half if they do a spousal rollover. Yeah. Can you throw this phone? The second thing though is, let's say a non-spouse inherits it. The new rules are now, 
10 years, they can use that account and keep it as an inherited Roth IRA, which we have lots of those at our office, but then they got to distribute at the end of 10 years. Okay. So, but they don't have to take RMD every year. It's just by 10 years, they have to have the whole account distributed, but that your heirs basically inherit account. They got a 10 year window to keep investing it, grow it, maybe double it without any tax. Um, and then they get to pull it out totally tax-free. So, um, that's the distribution rules from, you know, cradle to grave, maybe, I don't know, on (laughs) no pun intended on the Roth IRA. Well, I, I think the big takeaway in that response is that, uh, apparently when you turn 59 and a half, um, it's magical. So at Boca Vista, that's the Boca Vista. I was thinking of the, who's the band that sings that? Uh Oh, it's magic when I'm with you. What, who's that? Hall and Oates. Oh, magic. No, that's not Hall and Oates. I would know that. Uh, my band used to play that song. I can't well, remember. What the freak? Spilby Dog. Spilby Dog used to play magic. I yeah. mean, we didn't write Many it. Many of you may not know. Matt's in a band. Yeah. Was. Um, was. You know. Yeah. He played the spoons. So it was. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, he not. <laughs> Matt, Matt can rock the. The Stratocaster, Straddle, Straddle, Stratocaster, Stratocaster. I'm a Fender guy. In the guitar world, you have different, you know, there's different. Oh. It's kind of like being a Ford or a Chevy person, you know, or whatever. Yeah. That is out there. I'm a Fender guy, and I it's a Stratocaster. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Um, I know about as much as that as you know about farming and ranching, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, I had a question via Instagram. This is from Shelly. And she says, where should I set up my self-directed IRA LLC? We want to get an LLC going, but we're not sure where to set it up. That's a great question. Um, Yeah. This is We should pay you for that question, Shelly. I was like, (laughs) yeah. He's like, put that on the T for Mark Kohler. Yeah. Um, The... This is probably the Shelly's question is a great example of why when you're just starting to self-direct, set up a consult. If it's not with our law firm, that's fine. You may not like, we have seven tax attorneys that are booked out about a week and they're just awesome. And Matt and I spend time with them literally almost daily in a group text and trainings per week, making sure they're kind of mini Mark, mini mats. And, and we're learning from them so much when they're in the trenches out there. Yeah. So it's, it's yep. just a great team. But if you don't use our firm, it's fine. But you want to meet with an attorney when you set up your first IRA LLC, because these are the kind of questions we're going to go through. You know, it's like, if you just go online and set it up in Delaware or Nevada or wherever you're at, it could cost you twice as much to unwind it and set up where you're supposed to down the road. So um, our single member IRA LLCs are around eight eight fifty plus filing fee. If you have multiple IRAs or four hundred one ks or whatever in the LLC, a multi member LLC is fifteen hundred bucks, and and that's it. And you get to work with an attorney on your situation, phone call, Zoom, whatever you want. So it's not like someone in a cubicle in Nevada saying they're talking to an attorney. It's so. But, but this is what we do, Shelley. Is we're going to say, well, what are you most likely to do with the money? Because everybody's leaning towards something. And if she goes, well, we're kind of leaning towards a little rental property. Okay. Locally or by grandma or where? And everybody has at least a gut feeling. Well, I think I'm going to, we're going to buy a rental probably in Ohio 
Okay, okay. They may have a connection there. They have a good real estate investment club there they trust or a group or a friend or a realtor or someone, a coach, and they've chosen Ohio. That's more than likely where we're going to set up the LLC. We're going to say, if you're going to start making offers, we want to do the offer in the name of the LLC because you can't make the offer in your name. This is an IRA project. So what we want to do is kind of choose the best state where you're most likely going to invest. And we're going to really try to corral you into that. Let's get you focused on a market because you want to, as a good real estate investor, you really want to dive deep in that market anyway. Know what the common rents are and fair market values. You're going to be playing on Zillow every day, getting, building a network. And so that's where we want to set up your LLC because that's where it's going to have to be registered to take title to the real estate. So we're going to set up the IRA LLC where you hold the asset. That's option one. Now, if I'm on the phone with Shelly and her husband and she goes, well, we're probably going to do a little crypto and we want to buy a little, some precious metals. And, and then we're just going to maybe do some joint ventures or some partnerships with some other people, maybe even invest in a, a PPM or a, a, I think we could qualify as an accredited investor. We're going to do that or whatever. Then we're going to say, Let's just set up the LLC where you live because you're going to have to open a bank account. It's You're operating in your state because you're just kind of going from there. And I think that's going to be the most common and simple thing to do. And that's option two. Option three is some people are going to go, well, it's all virtual. You know, we're going to buy stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, crypto, precious metals. We're not really doing business in any one state. Why can't we do it in Nevada, Wyoming, Delaware, Florida, Texas, somewhere where there's no state tax? And I'll go, well, if you're doing this in an IRA, you're not going to pay state tax anyway. What's going on? And, and so that's when the UBIT conversation may come into play. So these are all little variables that are specific to one person. But I, I don't know, Matt, would you, those are my three main options. What would you say? All right. And just remember when you're doing the IRA LLC, it's two things. You need a self-directed IRA. You need the LLC and get some advice on the front end. Not everyone needs the IRA LLC. A lot of people come to us like, oh, I don't really need an LLC. I'm just going to, I'm going to loan somebody some money on a deal. And it's just going to be a note secured on the property. Do you need an LLC for that? No, you could do that right out of the IRA. Um, I'm just going to invest in a XYZ private company. And there's this private fund or offering I'm going into. Do I need an LLC for that? No, just invest it right out of the IRA. And so I'd probably say about 40% of our accounts do some version of an IRA LLC, single member or multi-member, but the majority of them don't need it. Now it's popular, real estate being the one where we usually are going to recommend it uh, on a rental or a fix and flip, but um, hit again the podcast episode on that. Also on Directed IRA's page, we have a page for the checkbook IRA LLC or IRA LLC, you know. Um, that goes over how to set it up. It has the application to get going on it. You can mark uh, getting an appointment with one of the lawyers in the law firm on it to go over the structure and set up in your situation. Love it. Well, I've got one last question. I think it's a fast, easy one. And then- Okay, let's finish on that. Okay. Yeah. This is Eric. He says, if your IRA buys an Airbnb property through an LLC, as I understand, your in-laws, brother or sister, can rent the property to vacation in. But would you be able to tag along and join them as long as you're not the one paying the rent or prop on the property? Are you strictly forbidden from physically staying in the property? Are there any other scenarios where you can stay in the property if you don't transact with yourself, stay without paying rent? Well, Eric, probably your best move is when you get off the plane, 
I would drive a really roundabout way to get there because if the IRS is following you, you want to lose them. You want to, you know, yeah. if you've ever been tailed, yeah. there's taking you shake them. Yeah. You got to shake them. Yeah. Watch yeah. Burn Notice. Burn Notice, uh, Michael Weston. He's got some good tips on, you know, okay. if he was a spy, <laughs> you know, he'd do this. So, Eric, yes, you would get in trouble if the IRS discovered that you are staying at a property your IRA owns, whether you were a guest, paid, whatever, you can't work on it. You can drive by and look at it, meet with the property yeah. manager, you know, go kick the tires, take pictures of it. I We want you to be engaged in the supervision, uh, but you cannot be the property manager or stay there. So I think if you're under surveillance from any major governmental agency, including the IRS, I think if you do a little shake and bake, you might be able to stay there. Know what to know. Um, yeah. You hear that? Here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm being <laughs> Yeah, good question. I've I've talked about that scenario of, you know, if you own an Airbnb and no one's using it, you know, you rent it out 51 weeks of the year and there's one week no one's using it, you can't just go stay there for free because you're benefiting from the property. It's called self-dealing. But if you pay for it for that week, then you've just considered cause what's called a per se prohibited transaction because you just paid your own IRA or IRA LLC, which is also prohibited. So- I get it. Your brother and sister, you know, they're not disqualified persons and sure they can stay there, yeah. but you shouldn't be rolling up and having use of the property or any benefit from it. Yeah. it it's a, I think we're joking because it's not like there's a private transaction police out there, but if that was disclosed or somehow figured out in an audit or something, I would not love to have to defend that. Let me yeah. just say it that way. Yeah. And how it could happen is, you know, I think you should stay there under the name Ted Nugent uh, yeah. or Peter Lemangelo. Um, yeah, I was going to Peter Lemangelo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, you know, that's what Fletch would have done. And then, you know, a little disguise would never hurt and a, mm-hmm. a mustache or something. But I think I think you could pull it off. And I just want to point out that was a trifecta. I just quoted Fletch, I mean, Talladega Nights, and Bird Notice all in one right there. So wow. I, I think let's I finish uh, on that. Let's, let's finish on a high. All right. Yeah, I got. We got to yeah. take it to the hoop. Um, it's like, all right, <laughs> that's it for me. That's the that's it. Quote. All right, <laughs> that's oh, it for me. That's it. That's it for me. Um, so no, I think this is great. You just want to stay away from your rentals um, in yeah. your retirement accounts, and and it's okay. Yeah. You'll, you'll Let me say this, Eric. I I don't know that that juice is worth the squeeze. You know, I just, I don't know. <laughs> just we got to end this show. This is getting out of control. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. That juice just isn't yeah. worth the squeeze um, because there's risk to that. I get it. You want to stay there, the property you own, but is the risk and just worrying about it. It's super, it's so unlikely that you would have a problem with that, but I just think the worry of it and like, is this going to be a problem? It's just ain't that juice just ain't worth the squeeze. So yeah. now I will right. say this a couple side notes. Let's say your IRA. We just can't end this thing. Can we? We can't. I just I wanted to give some real advice rather than screw around. Is if your IRA oh, that was good, good real advice. It I mean, was. It was good. I mean, you're kind of in this gray area. Is there a private oh. transaction or not? I'm just like, like I'm just always like, just the the, the, the stress and worry of it is just not oh. worth that. That's, I thought it was some good advice. I, some I mental health. To your advice. orange juice comment, I was just that's what I was. But that's saying. perfect analogy. That juice just saying worth the squeeze. <laughs> Now, here's the a little juice, technical juice loophole. The that staying at the property because your brother-in-law's, your brother's rented yeah. from your IRLC. Yeah. And, and yeah. the squeeze, and you know, 
the risk you're going to take. That, yeah. You know, that's, and I'd that, stick that it to your brother-in-law. Yeah, stick it to the brother-in-law. Okay. Make him pay extra. And now here's a little loophole because we're tax lawyers, and so everybody wants to know the loophole is if your IRA and retirement accounts, in combination, including you, own, let's say, less than 30%, 20%, somewhere small ownership, and the other parties are owners, are not family, maybe you team up with some neighbors and you buy a little Airbnb. Or they're non-disqualified, the brother and sister, not disqualified. That's true, too. So... You might, if your IRA owns less than 50%, that's kind of the technical rule. We like the 50 shades of grade rule that it's pretty uh, white up there. We'd like to get down to the gray of maybe 20% or 30%. So stay, keep a minority ownership. And then yes, you could stay there and rent it. You just can't have majority ownership control with your retirement account. All right. So everybody, boom, take us out, Matt. Give everybody some charge. To live the dream, something good. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thanks, of course, for all the great questions. Um, always go to directedira.com slash podcast. You can submit the questions. Um, and I love seeing the creativity of what people are doing out there because that's what self-directing is, right? And I've said this before on prior podcasts is great investments aren't sold. You know, um, they're found and they're made. And a lot of these questions are, are about people making deals, making investments, finding an Airbnb, doing the racehorse thing, you know, uh, buying crypto or more cutting edge things. And there's risk to those, of course, but um, where there's risk, there's reward and do your due diligence, of course. But um, I, I love seeing, it just gets me excited because this is why I love self-directed IRAs is people taking responsibility and control of their retirement account. So uh, thanks, of course, for listening. If you like the podcast, you know, subscribe on YouTube if you listen there or like it, share it. Um, give us five star reviews on any podcast channel you're listening to or like it or thumbs up. You know, they all got a little different system there, but that does help uh, get the word out on the podcast to spread the gospel of self-directed <laughs> retirement accounts. The good word. Yes, the good word. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Bye.